0: I'm going to call out some names. Raise your hand if you recognize that name from the Bible. Shamua, Shetha, Ayal, Aigal, Paltai, Gadiel. Gaddai, Amael, nobody, Gethier, Nabai, Guel, wow, 30 years, I must have failed somewhere. How about Caleb? How about Joshua? We're going to talk about the 12 who spied out the land, but isn't it interesting? There were 10 and we have no idea what their names are. And there are two that I think everyone in this room knows exactly who they are. Caleb and Joshua. And Caleb and Joshua were unique. We'll talk about it, but basically, while all the others failed, failed miserably, Caleb and Joshua were great successes, if you will, for God. Now you can go to Numbers 13. I had planned on reading a lengthy portion of Scripture because of time. I'm not going to do that. Most of us know this story. Numbers 13. Right there in the early part of Numbers 13, all those names are listed. Your assignment for next Sunday is to have them memorized. (laughs) In order. Spelled correctly. Sounds like my doctrines class. But in chapter 13, Moses assigns those 12 men to go into the promised land, spy it out, It's time to go in. And so they're assigned this responsibility and they go. They do what they're told to do go in and spy out this land and then come back and give us a report because it's time for us to go in. We pick up in verse 26. It says, and they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel under the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them, and unto all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. They brought a cluster of grapes so big they had to carry it on a pole between two men. And they told him and said, We came into the land whither thou sentest us, and surely. It floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Isn't that a good recommendation? Look at the next word. Nevertheless, the people be strong and dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great, and moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. Hey, time out. The children of Anak are giants. When you find them mentioned, they're giants, real giants, like Goliath. And they said, that's what we saw. The Amalekites dwelt in the land of the south and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan and Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we and they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel saying the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature and there we saw the giants the sons of Anak which come of the giants and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were, there, were in their sight. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried and the people wept that night. Lord, help us. Lord, help me. It's been a very emotional time. I ask you to settle my heart that I might share this with my people. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to preach this morning on the subject spiritual could have been. You know, when I think about this in my heart, in my mind, it's a very sad thing to see people who have great potential, great opportunity, but somehow fail to ever reach their potential and achieve the opportunity. So often we see folks who are gifted or talented in some particular area but they never worked to develop and use their gifts and talents. And so ultimately, here's what we say about them. There could have beens. They are could have been. They had wonderful opportunity but never achieved success. I remember as a youngster. Well, I was in my teens. Philadelphia Phillies had a third baseman. His name was Richie Allen. He was a tremendously talented baseball player. They projected him for the Hall of Fame. Never made it. He caused problems. He was. He had you know, big head and, and all kinds of things and it ended up never made it. On, on a more recent level, how many of you know the name Johnny Manziel? Some of you. He was a quarterback in college football. He played for Texas A&M. He won the Heisman Trophy in his freshman year, first year. Oh, he was projected for the, for the pros and the Hall of Fame and, and uh, drafted high, and Cleveland drafted him. He played just 14 games for them. He won three, lost 11 They had to get rid of him because of off-field problems. Here's a man who could have been in the Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. Most people don't even know his name now. He said, could have been. Thought of another one, Ricky Williams. How many of you know that name? Another football player. He played for the University of Texas. He won a Heisman Trophy in 1998. He was a running back that was projected for the Hall of Fame again. He was drafted by New Orleans in their first round he played for them two years they traded him to Miami because he was trouble had problems with marijuana and dope he went to Miami, Miami gave him a shot he played two years in Miami and the next year he didn't even show up and they said where are you, are you playing football or not? He said, no, I'm going to retire and smoke dope. Another one could have been in the Hall of Fame. You don't even know his name. He said, could have been. This morning in this text, we find some folks who had a tremendous opportunity to do great things for God. Their big chance, as we might say it, These 12 men whose names are listed for us are given opportunity to do something great yet. As we read on in our Bible, we quickly learn only two of them seize the opportunity. Those other 10 could have been. I said all that because this morning we need to understand this each of us has a great potential for god you believe it i say it again each of us has a great potential for god amen every one of us has been given abilities and talents and opportunities to accomplish great things for the Lord. But we too have to seize our opportunities. It's a sad thing, as a pastor we see it. So many Christians fail to ever reach their potential for God. Far too many waste their talents and their abilities and let the opportunities God has given them slip away. And ultimately, far too many Christians end up in that that category. Could have been. I want to share with you some ways we can avoid Bingo, could have been. We can avoid that, number one. If we live by proper priorities, what are the priorities of your life? You have them. You may have written them down. Or maybe you just have them in your mind. Or maybe you've never really thought much about it. You just go about your life, do what you think is important. Prioritizing what you think you should do first and most. That's prioritizing. But you see, as believers... God tells us we ought to have his priorities. But seek ye, what's the next word? First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. We find in our story the ten spies had other priorities. What do you mean? Did you look at their report? Their priority was their comfort and their ease and their safety. That was the most important thing to them. Caleb and Joshua, they on the other hand, put God's Word and instructions as the priority. I like Caleb. You know, later he says, I want that mountain. Amen. He was a man's man. Now, Joshua, you know, I'm not down in Joshua. Just this testimony we find of Caleb. God's plan was now it's time to go into the promised land. Caleb and Joshua said, we believe God, this should be our priority. These other spies said, no, 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 no. We can't do that. We don't have enough power, blah, blah, blah. There's too many obstacles. Their priority, as I said, was ease and comfort. Joshua and Caleb, on the other hand, knew... Regardless of the cost, regardless of the sacrifices required, they had to put what God says and wants first. And really, that's how God wants us to live. But do we really do that? Do we have the right priorities? Are we looking for God's will and God's ways? You know, our relationship with him should be number one priority. I don't know who it was who was preaching here. I think it was Brother Renzi. Talked about having a priority of your Bible and prayer and, and getting with God. I don't I don't know how Christians just get out of bed and go to work and and do what they're gonna do, come home, have supper, do what they're gonna do, go to bed, never talk to God. Never crack the book. I learned a long time ago, God's word has to be my daily guide. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, then thou shalt have good success. God's will ought to be our guiding principle. God's passions ought to be our passions. Let me put it another way. We ought to love what God loves. You know what God loves? Souls of men. We need to live by proper priorities. Number two, we need to lead the wrong crowd. There is a wrong crowd. We need to lead them, we need to be separated. 2 Corinthians 6.17 Paul writes there to believers come out from among them and touch not the unclean thing. 1 Corinthians 15.33 Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Put another way you hang around the wrong crowd, you're going to do the wrong things. I love Proverbs thirteen twenty: He that walketh with wise men shall be wise. But a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Friend, it makes a real big difference who you hang around. Ten spies... <laughs> They, they, they didn't just hang around the wrong crowd. They were the wrong crowd. What do you mean? They're going against God and His Word. They're vocal. They're unashamed. They're determined that we're not going to do this. They're opposing God. They're opposing God's man. They're saying to Moses, no, 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 no. We're not doing that. And they were men of no faith. They were doubters. Their God was weak and powerless. They're rebellious. I'll tell you what, that's not the crowd I'd want to hang around with. But then we have Caleb and Joshua. Joshua. We have ten. We have two. But they're the right crowd. You see, they wanted to follow God. They wanted to do what's right. Look at chapter 14. Verse 1. And the congregation lifted up their voice and cried. And the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured. Against Moses. Hey, these ten spies caused all the people to murmur and turn against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt or would God we had died in the wilderness Wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? Do you see what the wrong crowd stirred up? Verse 6. Josh, with the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jeshuna, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake unto all the congregation of children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through the search is exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. You know, I want you to notice something there. The ten were the majority. Caleb and Joshua were the minority. But who was right? Many times we as believers are the minority. But who's right? When the minority is following God, the minority is right. Don't ever think because they have more numbers, they must be right. Let me drive it home a little bit. We see Joe on the television, he has 25,000. People say, well, he must be right. No, he's dead wrong. The minority, the local churches that are preaching the word of God, they're the ones that are right. But the unsaved out there, they say, well, that guy Joel, boy, he must, he must be right. And some Christians even say that. We ought to get rid of our pulpit and we ought to get to bebop music. And we, uh, I can't moose my hair, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> And then we'll get a crowd. I'm not interested in a crowd. God didn't call me to build a crowd. He called me to build a church. Matter of fact, He said he would build it. Through me. And you see, here's what happens. Believers start hanging around the wrong crowd. And they become like them. And it's happening in in our in our churches where believers Start hanging around the liberal crowd who says it doesn't matter how you live, doesn't matter where you go, doesn't matter if you have a beer once in a while, doesn't matter if you have a little wine with your supper, doesn't matter if you, if you smoke or do dope or whatever. God's not concerned with how you live. And pretty soon people who had standards in their lives and who tried to live holy lives, they start believing that John. Listen, when you get around people who are denying what God said and saying it's okay to sin and live unholy lives, you need to get away from them. Because the Bible says, if you hang around them, you're going to become like them. I'd like to spend more time there, but I've got to move on. Probably... I rattled enough cages already. And then, if we're going to avoid being and could have been, we should not allow the world to intimidate us. Amen. The world I'm referring to is the heathen. And so often, we let them intimidate us. Number one, there's a lot more of them than there is of us. And number two, seems like they have most of the resources and most of the power. Right now, Washington is against us. Would you agree? They're trying to make laws and take away our rights and stop us from preaching against homosexuals and abortion and, and uh, transgenderism and all their junk. And they, they have the news outlets on their side. They have the social media on their side. They have all the Hollywood stars on their side. They have that, what's that stupid show on television? The four women or five women. The View on their side. I've read some quotes that come out of that, that View. I don't think any of them have any brains. Stuff they say. We're fighting this transgenderism in in our schools. They've got control of our children and they're pumping that into their head. And it seems like we're defeated. We can't win. Yes, we can. Because we have a God who is bigger than them. And that's what this story shows us. Caleb and Joshua, they said, hey, wait a minute. Our God is greater than them. The spies said, wait a minute, Uh, look what's over there. We're we're afraid of those people. Why, there's a lot of them. They're strong. I think that's referring to numbers. A whole lot of them. And they have fortified cities. Okay, class, what's the first city they encountered when they crossed the Jordan? Who said that? Jericho. Remember the walls of Jericho? A fortified city with great walls. Did God have any problem taking that? Walk around the city every day for six days. On the seventh day, walk around the city, blow the horns and yell, and the walls came tumbling down. But see, it takes faith and belief that your God is stronger than the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. can win this battle if Christians would just get their faith together and get on their face and pray for God to move in our behalf. They were fearful of the giants. Pastor Fidel and I was talking about this. You know, when David killed Goliath, how many stones did he have? Why did he have five? We don't really know for sure. But isn't it interesting that he killed Goliath and Goliath had four brothers? The stature of a man is not an issue with God. Didn't VeggieTales say God is bigger than the boogeyman? These men are saying these humans are bigger than us so we, we can't fight them. Isn't God bigger than them? But they lost sight of all that. The world intimidated them. They couldn't see God. All they could see was the opposition. We get like that. Things go south and, and, and we're looking at sometimes impossible situations and we say, there's just no way. With God, all things are possible. I came across this. (laughs) Bob Jones, Sr. Bless his heart. He used to say some tremendous things. Sr. He says, a man is a fool who leans on the arm of flesh when he can be supported by the arm of omnipotence. Of truth there. Caleb and Joshua weren't intimidated. They said, let's go for it. You know, the Bible says we should not fear man. I have more I could say here, but I, I, I just can't do it. Next point. We need to have a spirit of humility. When these ten came back, they are all about them. This is what we say. We can't do this. But if we had time to read about Caleb and Joshua, we find them being very humble. We can't do this, but God can. Humility. We need some of that. The Bible says we're to humble ourselves before God. Too many believers have too much pride. The Bible says Joshua and Caleb rent their clothes. That means they tore them. And that was an indication of grief. Sorrow. Upset. And Caleb and Joshua never saw the following for themselves. They just declared what they believed God would do. And they gave gave acknowledgement to where the power was going to come from. Not the others. Looking at everything on this level. Not this level. And then we have to listen to God's leading. Do you know oftentimes God's leading don't make sense? I told you I have a note written in. I have Sermon thoughts. And I have that written down. We've had many times in our life where it just seemed like this don't make sense. This this isn't logical. See. Too often... We want to take the world's advice. We're looking at something that don't seem to make sense. If you go to a worldly counselor, he'll tell you, get a yellow tablet. And put the pros on one side and the cons on the other. And you'll be able to make your decision. That's not how it works with God. If these guys did that, Caleb and Joshua would have not been for going into the Promised Land. All the cons were there; very few pros. No, we don't don't walk by the yellow tablet. We don't figure it out by logic. The Bible says, the just shall live by faith. The Bible says, we walk by faith, not by sight. I was thinking about this the other day and talking to the Lord about it. I said, Lord, we're in a tunnel. It's dark. You put us in this tunnel and you're taking us somewhere. But it's dark and we can't, We can see what's ahead. And every step we take is another step in the dark. But we keep taking steps because the Bible says we walk by faith. You know, when you're in the dark and you're taking steps, you don't know what the next step is. You could step in a hole. You could step on a landmine. Perish the thought. You could step on a snake. Why do we keep taking steps? Because God is leading us. He's there. And he says, walk by faith. And one day we're going to keep stepping and stepping and stepping. And he'll bring us out of our tunnel. And the sun will shine and everything. And we'll look back and we'll say. I'm sure glad I kept walking. Otherwise I'd still be in the dark. Don't try to figure God out. I told somebody the other day. I don't know what God's doing. Somebody said your house sell yet. No. Well you think about that I'm frustrated but I have to come back to I'm walking by faith I don't understand it but apparently God has a reason that we're not in Florida yet I don't know what it is so I just keep walking. Hmm? How about you? Things don't make sense. I can't do this. Just keep walking. Here's Caleb and Joshua. These spies are saying, they got fenced cities Big walls, And there's so many of them. They named them all the Hittites, the, the Canaanites, the Hebe, and the Termites and all They're everywhere. We can't do this. And they're giants. Man, compared to them, we're we're like grasshoppers. Caleb and Joshua just kept walking. That's their advice. Let's just keep walking. Don't raise your hand, but how many of us have had the experience? We walked in the dark. We, it didn't make sense. We didn't. And when we got to the other side, we said, I'm sure glad I kept walking. Ten. Not a person in here raised their hand and said, I know who that is. Ten names. I called two names and just about every hand in here said, I know who that is. Ten were could have been. Two were successful for the Lord. Which one are you going to be? Gonna be it could have been. All kinds of potential and opportunity, but never do anything with it. It's your decision. Let's bow our heads. Father. Thank you for Caleb.